You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. Hi, uh, <laughs> welcome to another episode of the XOXO After Darkcast. My uh, beloved colleagues are already laughing at me. I don't know what's going on. This is Abby. I'm here with Lauren and Kate. Hi. And Diana. And, and Diana, she's our silent partner today, working on the metadata. Um, and we are thrilled to have you here for another episode of our podcast. Uh, today's special guest is going to be New York Times bestselling author, Laura Griffin. We're going to be talking to her a little bit later. And this is another one of our episodes where we have a special audio clip from her book that's out right now, Touch of Red. I love that we're doing that. That's I know, so me great. too. The audio department is doing it. Um, and and so we have at SNS where we work we also have a people who do the audiobooks and audiobooks are really popular right now mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people who read who listen to audiobooks exclusively that's how they read well you know it's funny laura um i know she'll talk about it or at least mention it um the narrator is a, a favorite of hers and it's not the first author i've heard that have narrators mm-hmm. that they love i mm-hmm. mean literally fans follow them yeah. just oh, for yeah. the narrator i was just reading a new york times review of a book um that name escapes me. But the reviewer wasn't actually saying the book was so good, but that the audio was so worth so listening good. to that the um, author was reading aloud. Molly Harper's fans are very dedicated to oh, her they? audio narrator, really? Amanda Ronconi, I think. Hmm. Well, I fell in love with, for all the obvious reasons, I didn't. I had never read David Sedaris, but the first time oh, you oh, I had ever... Man. Well, and his voice is so distinctive. Oh, I David he, Sedaris yeah. was Me Talk Pretty One Day, mm-hmm. and I heard it on an audio tape on our way to... Um, the my parents' house in the mountains, and mm-hmm. so my sister and I. She was like, "That book is." So I just funny, we so meet funny. talk pretty one day. I was like, "Right, let's listen to it." He's big, making a big thing. It's a mm-hmm. bestseller. I don't know who this guy is. I have never laughed so hard in oh, my life. Yeah, in I my life that. to this day, I'm still like, "I will have him. I will." <laughs> when he's talking about Hugh, but mm-hmm. I'm in an apartment at the time because mm-hmm. it was my first year in New York, and I was like, "What is?" this place and why can't I live like a human being? This is a hell of a Exactly. I was like, I don't understand. But anyways, I digress. Audiobooks are magic. They are. Um, And before we completely run off the rails, I just want to remind people, as always, to come to xoxoafterdark.com because we have... (coughs) I'm so sorry. We have deals. We have have deals. All sorts of things. Articles and roundups and quizzes and... Fun stuff. Flu. We've got the flu. No, no. Abby actually is well. This is just how she sounds after she gets better. I know. This is this is me in recovery. Um, I sit next to Abby in the office, and so it's mainly so just been sorry. this noise for the last week. So, <laughs> which is fine. I'm so sorry. Um, um, but anyway, uh, one of the things I wanted to let people know about particularly mm-hmm. is our writing contest. Oh, yeah. Duh. Oh, yes. NaNoWriMo. Hot, Hot Books Cold Nights. Um, this is where this is going out of the very tail end of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. So if any of you are working on a romance novel, mm-hmm. now is your chance because the grand prize of this contest is actually a publishing contract with our digital first imprint, Pocket Star. Ooh. Or women's fiction with romantic <coughs> elements. I want to say that. Uh, you cannot because the rules are very specific and are already posted. <laughs> and I reviewed them and forgot them promptly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so romance only. This we are requiring, romance only. We are requiring a romance and mm-hmm. you will see our definitions of romance are right up there in the rules so you know what's required. Wonderful. Um, and uh, it's great. We actually, uh, at the time of this taping, uh, I'm coming to you from the past. And <laughs> the uh, con- the contest has only been up for a couple of days. We already have 40 registrants. Amazing. And um, three of them are already submitted. So oh my God, that's somebody fabulous. was already, already working on their book. So this contest will be open until January 31st. You have lots oh, of time. Oh, there's tons of time. Tons of time. Right. So that's what you all should be doing over your Christmas holidays is writing your romance. And, Ignore uh, your families. Lock yourselves in your basement. Right. Don't I mean, eat that turkey. You're writers. No one wants to be with their families. You want to be alone in a carrot writing exactly. a book about a perfect family. Exactly. <laughs> or a perfectly dysfunctional family and not the very ordinary dysfunction that we all just live with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So I've done my plugging. And uh, now we thought, you know, it's been a while since we just kicked it off and talked about what we're XOing. So um, I want to hear what you guys are liking these days. Kate, you said you were excited oh, about Oh, I have something. Have I already talked to you about The Good Place? 
Oh my god, I love that so much. Okay, so you must. this? So the Good Place is a show on NBC. <coughs> you still watch that network? I don't. The, so here's what happened. I saw the ads. I was like, "That's interesting." Doesn't really click for me. I heard there was a huge twist at the end of season one, but I didn't hear what it was. Or if I did hear what it was, I was like, "Who's How are it? Do this?" Kristen it's, Bell and Ted Danson. Yeah. Oh, I like Kristen Bell. Yeah, she's yes. cute, and Ted Danson is very funny in it. And then they put the first season up on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is when I discover anything because that's all I have. And it is the smartest show on tv it's It's so good it's It's so good so good it's so smart it's so interesting is it like veronica mars i don't never watch that no it is a very different feel it is cheerful she was in that too it's very smart she's delightful it's like pushing daisies if you ever watch that one it's It's a um, half an hour a little hyper real well you can give the premise without giving anything away it's eleanor shawstrap who is kristen Kristen Bell. bell wakes up and she is in the good place she's in heaven oh i read about this yes yes yes. and uh ted danson is basically the ambassador the angel or it's not religious but he's the ambassador to the good place and he he introduces her to a cast of characters all of whom have been placed in her heaven there's like when you die you go to this premise is like their little neighborhood does she have to do good things to get in so it in the first season in the first episode it's revealed that she is that it's wrong that she should not be here right. and so then she spends the rest ever escalating hijinks trying to convince them to let her stay or that she should be there or to hide her secret and it's so smart it and is. interesting and funny laugh out loud do we like her would she be our layers. friend yes okay. she would especially be your friend actually exactly. we are not good people right. she would definitely be <laughs> our friend it is um, it's so layered and so rich and it's not heavy like no. I mean there's a lot of great dark drama good... on right now but this just is you fun know, and I'm uplifting I'm so glad to hear this you because must binge it but it's smart. I gave up TV but mm-hmm. not in the real sense I just gave up the Fios and the Fortune and mm-hmm. basically went Roku yeah because mm-hmm. my nanny convinced me that this is what I needed to do I have Netflix mm-hmm and I do not know what to do with it. Oh my I gosh. Did one, Crack that oyster open. I can't. Yeah. I, every time it asks for who's in the house, yeah. I'm always like, oh, fuck it, I'm just Mac. Okay, yeah, like, everyone, I can't, no, make an adult I can't one. bear no. it. No, like make Mac an adult likes one. Peaky Blinders, which I watched one what? of. Wait, Mac should Mac? not be watching Peaky Blinders. Well, he doesn't get to watch it. I just click on his thing. Oh, he doesn't Mac get to. Likes it. Got you it. know what I mean? I like, oh, okay. She's teasing. You see what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. the first icon right. is so. Laborious. I will say I have four or five people using mine, and we don't have separate profiles, but we I all can't kind take of it. like several things. We it's like the same very annoying. I use Adams. What the hell? <laughs> Diana Diana's is trying to peel her face off. I was like, there's way too many steps here. Who's first? Mac. Here we go. Well, yeah. Mac is going to love the good place. So. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I had been. Well, you know what I've done is I did and I fell into such. I have two things I want to talk about. Okay. Good place. I'm in. Tom Petty. Speaking of Netflix, I went. Tom Petty had just died. And Rick had been listening to the greatest hits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a terrible week where we lost like three amazing people. All in one week. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was terrible. And I've never been, I mean, I have his greatest hits like all people of my generation do. Oh, I remember now. I remember that. And he's from from Gainesville. So Mm -hmm. that's where I went to school. La, la, la. So Rick had been listening to the greatest hits and him and Mac loved to sing Learning to Fly. Worst song on the album, but whatever. And I go to the documentaries mm-hmm. because you had talked I about the, the non-documentary. Yes. And I was going to watch the non-documentary and I just don't feel like something heavy which is where Sometimes this is all Sometimes you can't watch from. about child rape. And I was just like I just don't want to see still haven't watched it for that reason. the nun die who's right. not like 90. She's like a young yeah, nun. Young. They she's were lucky to have her. Yeah. And they killed her. So I was like Ugh, really? Spoiler so, alert? I know right? <laughs> no they reveal well, that it's like right in the intro. <laughs> um so then I watched the Tom Petty documentary. I have not listened to any music. Rick's now Mac is finally like, Mommy, uh, really? Again, Again on Alexa? Again yeah. on Alexa, Tom Petty? Because I've been baking pies. Don't ask. But one of the other things I found was King Julian. All hail King Julian. I freaking... Who's King Julian? Okay. He's from, from He's the lemur from Madagascar. Everybody, I How like does everyone know this it. but me? I like to. Well, because Mac will only watch you, things I he get. knows. You, I get. You too, right? I well, like Madagascar. Cool. It's funny. Stop it's talking adorable. you're not on the mic. Yeah, I know, right? Talk on the it's mic. It's going to be annoying. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Mac will only watch things he knows. And I'm like, 
dude, we got to watch Madagascar. And he's like, I don't know it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? You're not even like five and you have such opinions. You're watching it. Be quiet. I wonder Weird. where he got them. I, know. <laughs> I was like, you jerk. Who is Lauren's from? So I rammed Madagascar down his throat and he's like, I loved it, mommy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I told you. <laughs> and he's like, you know who my favorite was? King Julian. Right. I like to move, move it, move it. it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. it. So... Then Netflix. That would be very charming if you had seen the movie. movie. (laughs) Exactly. Netflix buys King Julian and makes a show out of him. Oh, Oh, with him and all his little lemur friends. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm the little eyeball guy. Oh yeah, Mort. Maurice, Mort. Oh my God! Last night they did something so clever. Speaking of clever, and then I'll be quiet. They live in this crash plane in a tree in Madagascar, of course. Okay. And there's they literally talk to the skeletons that are in the pilot oh, seats shit. all the time. They're like That's there. dark. And all of a sudden, you never know. They've yeah. just been there for episodes and episodes. Yeah. In the movie Madagascar, yeah. it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're all scared of the mega gecko that King Julian makes up. And basically, <laughs> Maurice looks at her and is like, Amelia. How could we be scared of the mega get-go? And I, for me, I was like, oh my God, it's Amelia Earhart. The whole time oh. we've been looking at this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, which, by the way, is not possible because she was in the Pacific, but whatever. Madagascar is in the Indian Ocean. But right. it was but so still, clever, very clever and so brilliant. And they, they love a Heine dance. And I just love the show. I highly recommend is it. Is it a full season? Oh, it's got six seasons. I'm on episode shit. five. Whoa. Six seasons of this? Six seasons. Oh, my God. He's, by the way, it was Sasha Baron this Cohen. Must be stopped. Sasha Baron Cohen was the original Julian. Okay. They didn't hire him. Oh. Andy Richter is Mort with the oh. big eyes. And then they have this uh, psycho, um, very uh, military, it's his general. Mm-hmm. It's a girl. Her name is Clover. And she's <laughs> always, she's got a British accent. So she's like basically Tomb Raider. <laughs> so I love her. And there's this, the time where, you know, in Office Space where they slow down when they're smashing mm-hmm. the computers? Yeah. They do a slow down in the intro. So I get to see it every time. He's like, Mommy, your favorite part. I'm like, Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> and it's like they slow down the rap. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so good. I love it. Wow. Oh Netflix contains whole corners that I have never yeah, seen. Because oh, yeah, because I only populate the children area because yeah. I don't go anywhere other than the documentary in the children yeah. area is the point. Tom Petty bio, epic. Do you remember what it's actually called? Tom Petty? Yes. Uh, ugh. Ride, Free Fallen? Run in the No. It's the worst song. Another bad one. Running Down the Dream. Something. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. Worst. Worst. But so good. <laughs> so good. Anywho, uh, that's that's what I'm exoing. That is excellent. Um, I'm trying to think. I have been spending a lot of time on Netflix as well. I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what I just finished is Alias Grace. Oh my what? gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Margaret I, Atwood. It. I watch it on Sunday. What? It, yes. Ow! Ow! I hurt my finger. Oh no! What? Oh my god! Too excited. Kate and her excitement has injured herself. <laughs> um, okay. I just saw the little statue next to you. I was like, "What?" Um, as everyone, and I'm surprised it hasn't gotten a little more attention. But everybody, well, it's out of Canada, so already there's yeah. a major hurdle. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it takes place in Canada, so strike yeah. two. Yeah. But, but but it doesn't. You don't even have to know. Okay, and Abby, I did not. And I did not read this book because I've although I, it's Atwood. It's Atwood, and I kind of fell off the Atwood train. Around the Robert Bride era, and right. just I read I never, Robert Bride and was like, ah, I'm good, and I yeah. didn't get to Alias Grace. I just yeah. didn't read it. Um, and the premise, basically, it is beautiful. And of course, after having seen Handmaid's Tale on mm-hmm. Hulu, so it was a whole different production. Right. But it kind of reawakened that. And um, this also looked very rich. If you're like a Downton Abbey fan and you love a costume drama, mm-hmm. um, this is uh, the story of a young maid who um, is implicated in a murder, basically. Brutal. What's the time period? What's the time period? 18th century? No, oh, like 1890s. 1890s. It's 18th sometime in Canada, middle of the century. Canada? Well, mm. at the very, at, the, at one part of it, a person leaves to go fight in the Civil War. So Okay, so pre... Middle, mid-19th century. Oh, it's yeah. 1860s. I'm very well-versed in the Civil War. I literally Hence, just said 1860s like four seconds ago. <laughs> oh, I thought you said... <laughs> Oh, no, you said 18, like, hundreds. And I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, mid, I was like, what? Mid-19th century. So, horses and buggies. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's very... So, the premise is basically, she has been 
arrested for murdering her boss and his wife, basically, in a brutal fashion. And she's a maid. Um, mm-hmm. She's maid, and Irish? there is a Seriously? yes, mm-hmm. actually, and there Farmer, is yeah. a, a, a psychiatrist who's come to interview her um, to see if she should be pardoned. Basically, she's been see, in prison for ten years. Yeah. Oh, and, and, so and they're like, should she be paroled? It intersplices between his sessions with her to find out what really happened. So it's a mystery. The whole backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. It's a bunch of things. It's kind a bunch of, of things. The actress who plays who plays Grace is not someone I knew, but is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very. It has uh, Anna Paquin in a small. I love her. Smallish role. She, yeah. Um, and uh, she's good. Uh, it's just very. Some people are finding it's, Who's it's the therapist. Again, no one I had yeah. heard of, it, but interesting. But he has a cult following online. I googled him mm-hmm. after, and he's and he's, he's very handsome. interesting. Sort of his features are interesting and rough hewn in a mm-hmm. way that. Um, felt very period appropriate. Each of the men was very well cast. There, there yes. are a series of men who serve very different narrative purposes, mm-hmm. and each of them I thought was pitch yes. perfectly cast. Oh, and Zach, Zachary love. Levi is in it in mm-hmm. an interesting role too, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I thought he is did a good job. Zach from Heroes? I don't know. No, you're thinking of um, Zach Zach Spock. Quinto. Yes, yeah. uh, this is Zachary Levi from uh, Chuck. He's handsome. You'll like it. Yes. Uh, anyway. It's a slow unfolding, and it really is. Uh, it's five or for six a book hours. Person, it's I think six episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, it challenges narrative in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. it's about it's very who lives who dies and tells your story, but also <laughs> uh, who is controlling the narrative is Grace is the psychiatrist getting her to confess things or is she playing him? But it also has that know. sort of Victorian era obsession with seances and the afterlife yep. and and the the early days of psychiatry so mm-hmm. there's a lot of really interesting threads that yes that well does you it have talk to be a little about patient how disgusting it is in insane asylums yes. to women yes, yes that's exactly a fact, major threat is, of it yeah. yeah i was like horrified to see what happened yeah. to this woman yeah hugely there there are a lot of things they, they're not it's not graphic but I don't think get, they had shock treatment at that juncture, but God knows they there, probably there were a lot did a lot of, lot of horrible things. things. That, and that. it's, yeah, it's revealing. I mean, and when you come out of it, you almost could go either way. I don't know if the book allows you the sort of flexible interpretation. Um, but they did a really but, interesting job of creating room for conversation. So yes. you saw it, you've heard of it. I read it. I saw it. But I yes, we both watched it apparently, but we haven't talked to I each other about it. I watched it in one sitting. Yeah, it's weird that we didn't talk about it. Maybe because you were out sick. Yeah, mm, that's anyway, a good hangover day. So it was a good Sunday. I just sat and I made stew. Now, Ms. Lauren, I'm telling you, you need to be a little patient with it. Oh no, I'm patient. I think it'll I get. Right. A, I think it'll get. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna really like it. I think you're gonna really like it. Slow, and it's worth it. Yeah. I love a period piece. It's All definitely right, so worth. Watching. Go find that on your Netflix as well. Is it in shows? It's in shows. Yeah, just search Alias Grace. Got it. Go to the go to the magnifying glass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so hard to get to. I but know. anyways, right. <laughs> well, um, speaking of magnifying glasses, yeah. should, what should a, we that's an amazing Laura segue. Yes, we absolutely should. Uh, I've so done one or two of these. You you are a pro. <laughs> um, so, uh, listeners, we are going to take a little break, and then you're going to hear an audio clip from Touch of Red, followed by your interview with Laura Griffin. We will be right back. I'll let you get to bed. A cold gust of air whipped through her T-shirt as he stepped outside. I'm sure you've got an early start tomorrow. I do. By the way, we found drugs in her vehicle. She blinked up at him. You did? About two grams of coke. That's strange. Why? She rubbed her arms to ward off the chill. I don't know. It seemed like she was in recovery. What makes you say that? She shrugged. No alcohol in the kitchen, and the serenity prayer needlepoint. They say it at AA meetings. Where was that? On the wall near the breakfast table? Huh. I didn't see the prayer, but I definitely noticed the lack of substances. It's unusual. She scoffed. Definitely an unusual case. His gaze narrowed. He eased closer, and Brooke's pulse picked up. She could feel his body heat and smell the rain on him. You know something, don't you? All right, welcome back. That was a little bit of the audiobook of Touch of Red that we just got to hear. I love our new Let's Add audio clips to the show. Um, you guys should let us know if you are enjoying them as well. And I'm really happy to welcome Laura Griffin. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, lady. 
Hello. <laughs> We're all here. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the audio clip, Laura, you just mentioned a fun fact about the narrator for Touch of Red. Oh, I'm so excited. He's It's George Newburn, and he was um, Brian and Father of the Bride. Do you remember the, the fiancé? So <laughs> the fiancé. The fiancé yes. from Father of the Bride. That is yes. awesome. So, I love him. <laughs> oh, and I love, does he do a lot of your audio? Um, I think this is the first one. But oh, he's okay. so good, and I I just love listening to his voice. So it, it was fun to hear him. Well, you know, you can request him again. Yes, I will. I know. <laughs> so exciting. Or maybe we should work our way through other uh, delightful rom com films. Can we just start picking people that we like? I know, like, right? Yes. I want like you. Tell them favorites. to get this person. <laughs> um, but anyway, so people have heard just a taste of it. But why don't we start with asking you? to give just a little summary for listeners who haven't picked it up yet. Tell us a little bit about what happens in Touch of Red. This is part of your New York Times bestselling Tracer series, which is a, a group of uh, elite kind of CSI types. So uh, tell us a little bit about what happens in this book. Well, the protagonist is Brooke Porter, and she is kind of legendary at the crime lab where she works because she she's a... She's a um, crime scene examiner, and she can get prints off of anything. So she's kind of got this reputation as being a badass um, at her job, which I love. <laughs> and so um, the the book opens with a murder as um, she's arriving at the murder scene, and it's just a really brutal crime. But she starts kind of picking up these really, um, really interesting clues that other people are not seeing at the crime scene. And she's kind of starting to piece together that there's something really unusual about this murder um, and unusual about the crime scene. And so she kind of really kind of goes to work on that and goes back to the lab and tries to piece together what's happening. And then um, she lets the lead detective, who is Sean Byrne, know her hunch about what's going on with this case. And at first, a lot of people don't believe her. And so for, you know, a good part of the story, she's kind of trying to prove her theory mm -hmm to a lot of skeptical detectives. And so. as yes, <laughs> and as listeners might notice um that uh, Laura is very carefully talking around the twist. There's a twist very early on so that she doesn't spoil it for you. I hate spoilers. I yeah. know. Can you tell? She hates spoilers, but the good news is this is a twist that gets revealed fairly early in the book mm -hmm. and carries it going, and it's really great, and I promise not to spoil it for you either, but it does mean you guys have to run out and... Uh, and uh, find out because it's a good one. Um, and if you are already a Tracers fan, uh, Brooke and Sean's names might be ringing a little bit of a bell for you because they've had cameos in some of your other books, right? They have. They have. Um, Brooke first appeared in the book Exposed, um, and then they appeared together. And Sean has been in many of the Tracers books. I've been getting emails from readers and messages <laughs> for years. When is Sean going to have his book? So it's so fun to finally get his book out there. Um, but Sean and Brooke first appeared together in the last Tracer's novel, um, At Close Range, mm -hmm. and that's when they met. And so there are a couple references in the book to their first meeting. But, um, you know, it's like all the other Tracer's books, you don't have to have read the previous stories to understand what's going on. It's just, you know, the characters overlap. So, yeah, um, yeah but they met, in, they met in the previous uh, Tracer's book. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I love and a lot of your fans really love about the Tracer series is that you're always introducing us to sort of interesting new details of forensics and your uh, research is fabulous. Uh, and I learned a lot just about fingerprinting. I mean, we all feel like I think we all think we're experts now because we've watched enough TV and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They take the little brush with the dark powder and then it <laughs> leaves your apartment a mess. Um, but do you could you share any of the other uh, maybe one of the other ways that Brooke mm -hmm. gets a cool print because there are lots of different ways you can do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, one of the, my favorite scenes is where she's getting a print off a murder weapon, which she does a lot. Um, the murder weapon is a brick, <laughs> and if you think about the texture of something like that, I mean, how do you get a fingerprint off of a textured object like a brick? Right. But there are ways to do this, and if you um, you know I've interviewed fingerprint experts and done a lot of research, but um, in that case, she takes like a, a putty, kind of a, it's like the consistency of toothpaste, and she um, smooths it over the, um, the print, and so she's lifting it off of the textured object with kind of putty. Huh. But, you know, it, this can be really tricky because you might have a fingerprint, but it's 
Maybe it's around the neck of a beer bottle, or maybe it's on a charred uh, envelope, or you know something that was in a fire, or or something like this, where there's there's circumstances about the crime scene that make it really difficult to lift a good print. And so, um, but she's just kind of the expert at figuring out ways to get something. She's really creative that way, and. Um, you know, she's she's kind of just a badass at what she does. Yeah. So, how long did it take you to research all the different type, all the different ways that a person could use to get fingerprints off of stuff? Well, I've kind of been researching that as I go along with the Tracer series. So, this is, I guess, this is book. Is this book twelve? This Abby? one is twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. So, this is book twelve in the series. So, all along, I've been researching forensic science, right. and I love to visit crime labs and interview different people in the field. And so, it's kind of been a building thing. Um, so she's a trace ev- evidence examiner. So she does fingerprints, she does shoe prints, she mm-hmm. does all kind of you know hair and fiber evidence. And so that's something that you know anytime you visit a crime lab or interview someone, they, there's just you learn all these new interesting things that they. I mean, for me, it's interesting. I'm kind of a geek about it, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they do so many interesting things, and all their techniques are are fascinating to me. So um, I've been kind of researching her as I've gone along. And then when I really sat down to write this particular story, I just kind of got out all my books and really read up on the fingerprint aspect because I knew that was going to play a major role in the story. Um, and so, you know, I kind of brushed up on that particular aspect. But um, but awesome. I just love to research CSIs and, you know, forensic investigation in general. So, so could you an ongoing plan... Thing. Could you plan the perfect crime now, basically? <laughs> well, what I've learned is there is no such thing as a perfect crime. I'm always amazed at how stupid some of these criminals are. You know, they just leave evidence everywhere. You know, it's it's so hard nowadays mm-hmm. to really outsmart, you know, the technology that's available. Um, the 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 glitch is that a lot of departments are cash-strapped. You know, they don't have enough resources, they don't have mm-hmm. enough money, and they don't have enough manpower to really do some of the things that are possible. So there's a, there's a ton of things possible that aren't being done on a daily basis in, mm-hmm. in crime labs across the country just because of limited resources. But, you know, if you're in a fictional world, like yeah. the world of the tracers um, at this private crime lab called the Delphi Center, you can, that's what I, one of the things I love about the series is you can kind of let your imagination go and what is possible can be done in story. Right. So you're not really limited like you are in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry. One of the things uh, that I thought was kind of interesting about this couple is uh, with Brooke and Sean. You know, Sean's a detective, and uh, a lot of times when I, we think of, like, cop heroes in romance, they're very alpha, they're very, you know... The, the you know strong and aggressive and and we love a great strong hero and he is but it's kind of in a quieter way like mm-hmm. he's he's really evolved from book to book uh, because he had some stuff go on in at close range um, That's right and uh, I I love the way you handle it and also it was a great example I don't I don't think I'm giving anything really away <laughs> but um, Brooke is a heroine that kind of makes him move a little slower. Mm-hmm. And instead of it being a impassioned, like, we're going to sweep all of our doubts away, like, this felt like a very realistic grown-up <clears throat> relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Was that something that you were sort of really striving for, or does that just come out of these characters make themselves known to you that way, and that's just how it happened? Or Well, if I mean, when you go back from book to book, Sean was not always my very favorite character in some of the previous stories because he was kind of, he was a little bit more of a player. He was kind of, you know, and so he wasn't necessarily, you know, ready to be, you know, hero material. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he didn't, he hadn't earned it yet. And so in this book, he kind of, um, he went through a really major life event at the end of the last story um, at close range. And so it kind of changed his outlook on life he got shot in a scene and so um, that'll make you grow up mm-hmm. fast yes so uh, he kind of had this near-death experience that kind of shifted his perspective a little bit and and that's something that he you know opens up about in in touch of red mm-hmm. um but it kind of had a had a way of kind of making him mature a lot as a character as as a boyfriend as a mm-hmm. as a guy and so um he's much more um i think he's He's ready to be in a relationship now, whereas in previous books he was kind of more the, 
the guy that just was not ready. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, he's kind of had, um, a big journey himself. And so I think it adds a little bit of realism to their relationship because, you know, he's a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. So, um, that's kind of where their relationship kind of starts. Yeah. For me, it made him really kind of sexier because it was like mm-hmm. a, sometimes the, uh, larger than life, heroes and romance like they can be really fun and sometimes that's mm-hmm. what you want is the like my bodyguards sweep me off my feet carry me out the door kind of thing um but as listeners of the podcast know i also am often a sucker for ooh, that's a man with a job and he's gonna come <laughs> home and cut the yard at the end and nice. still like rock your world in bed can support himself <laughs> i was like hey i like a man with a job too absolutely but and 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 i was gonna say that lauren will still you know she can love him just as much even though Lauren loves a be- love, Lauren loves an alpha, as yes. we know, but, but he he's can't not have long hair or a beard. Right? No, I think he's. <laughs> I think he's nice and he's he's he's, he's got trim. his regulation, regulation detective hairdo. Um, yes. But he's he's more mature here, yeah. but he's never beta. You know, oh, he's good. still no, he's not beta. Strong he's still and sexy. Alpha. I love you for saying he's that because not obnoxiously alpha. The, the whole <laughs> time I've been like, oh, so he's a. Beta, and I, I don't want to do it. that he's to not him. A beta. Nope, he's I can see it. He's, he's not obnoxiously alpha. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like an obnoxious alpha too. I right. mean, people he's, who would basically violate your rights as a woman are just wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's how some people like that fantasy, and it's not yeah. for me. Well, and and in a way, like some of the stuff in this book uh, raises those questions, not between these two characters, but. Uh, it's an it, it's you know some of Brooke's backstory mm-hmm. makes you mm-hmm. confront some of that and I which sadly feels even more timely than when you actually wrote yeah. the book yeah um, but I think it's never the wrong time to to let it's it's such an elegant way of letting the real world in in this story I just I I love all of Laura's books but I actually <laughs> think this is really one of your strongest I oh, just really thanks, like this Abby. one a lot. Well, you may have noticed it's dedicated to you. I so. know. It's very sweet. Oh, I didn't notice. I brought it here. It's, it's literally sitting on the table. Yeah. yeah and I it was didn't really... notice this one. Oh, for Abby. I know. The I funny think I might cry is... a little bit. I know, Aww. right? So the inside baseball for all our listeners is that um, in addition to being a Laura Griffin fan, I was her editor for the first 12 books. And... Um, when I kind of changed into my new marketing role at Gallery, I handed her over to uh, none better than Ms. Lauren. Uh, so she's in very, very good hands. Please, I was like, pick me, Yay. pick me, But this pick was me. the, this was the last book that Laura and I got to work on together. So it's our swan song. <laughs> well, that even makes me love it more. And it never gets old to see your name in a book. But uh, yeah, well, actually, Abby, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think it's not that I don't want to talk about the Tracers, which mm. made Laura bestseller and really is so beloved by her fans um, in both print and E, but I think it's time to talk about her new, yes. new book. Yes, because um, you're yeah. taking a, a great new leap and Lauren is leading I feel the like charge. You guys are fighting that. over Laura right now. Exactly. I know. <laughs> There's no fight. There's enough yeah. Laura for all of us. Yes, yes. But we might tug her a little bit in real life. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> sign up a, another series for you, Laura, and then Kate can edit that great. one. Great. All three. Exactly. <laughs> Um, no, but Laura's really, I think, really expanding the worlds that she writes in, in my opinion. Um, I'll let her speak in a minute, but um, she's going to be moving into trade, original fiction. And these books feel, um, they still have an aspect of the forensic science. Um, there's a subplot that really works really well with this book. But it's it's an attorney, but there's still a murderer. There's still a mystery but I think it really works in this new format. I feel like it's more of a standalone, but of course mm-hmm. the world is there for the readers who love her and know her. Now, have you finalized title and pub and on that? We Can we have. tell people? I'm going to let Laura do it. Uh, the next book is Desperate Girls. <laughs> yeah. It's a good yes. And wait and till you I see this cover. I love the cover. I can't wait Yay. for I can't wait to share it with with readers. It's it's a beautiful cover. Um, it really this one, is. This book features a really tough defense attorney and um she's what i love about this character i had so much fun researching her because i i happen to know a a woman who's a defense attorney and she's just super smart and she's tough um but this character also kind of has a a vulnerable side too so i love kind of getting both those sides of the character in the story 
And I think the commonality between um, Bren, who's my girl, my first girl, um, and all of you know the the woman we were just speaking of, and all of the characters in the Tracer series, they're very strong. Um, whether they're overtly outgoing or not, they're still very have a strong sense of self, of identity, of what they're doing, and and I think Bren fits perfectly into that format. I wouldn't say format. I'd say in that realm uh, again. I only bring it up to, to really make it clear to readers who already love Laura that you're going to get more of that. But I think it's just a bit of a bigger story, mm-hmm. if you yeah. will. Um, that's the, really the only difference. Um, there's a great tension between her and the bodyguard made to protect her. And uh, it, it's just a great mystery that I'm just so proud to so, be working with Laura. On. So when are I'm people so going to be able to about it? When are people going to be able to um, buy Desperate Girls? They've got a bit of a wait. Um, <laughs> it's it's not far. It's, you know, as soon as the holidays whip us right into the next year, and then it'll be out in August. August 9th, I believe. Right, Laura? Uh, 9th or 7th. I can't remember. 7th. Recall. One of the I two. Mean, first yeah. week in First August. week of August. Yes. Perfect. Um, well, so they have plenty of time, plenty of time to read Touch of Red. If yeah. you haven't read the whole Back Tracers, there's tw- 12 of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, of course, uh, some of our longtime listeners might remember that we talked to Laura earlier this year about Edge of her, yeah, exactly, about her Alpha Crew series. And that's for when you do want the hard-hitting Alpha, like, that is definitely just bring Alpha. <laughs> oh, and let me no tell you. No barred Alpha, no beta in sight. No right. beta's in sight. They're Navy SEALs. And yes. I think we did share... We shared that series, Abby. Abby yes. did the first two, and I did the last one. And I love this series like I don't know how she's going to top it that was me. the one where we just wanted to be like so what if um, we just were able to get the sex into like the first scene exactly <laughs> sex and action and adventure and lots of fun seal crazy oh. high adrenaline yeah that's it's that's so good how do you balance the demands of all of these different um, ongoing kinds of books that you're writing well I guess I'm a little bit ADD because I don't like to just write about one thing just oh. for too long. Mm-hmm. So I like to shift between some military characters, then maybe do some forensic characters, then do some cops, you know, um, maybe some, you know, law and order type characters. So I kind of like mm-hmm. to shift around. The, the common theme is that I, I do tend to write about, there's always some kind of crime at the heart of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to write suspense. So. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to come up with new mysteries and new crime things? Like, it feels like it's hard for me. (laughs) I mean, it's more, it's for me, it's harder to choose between different potential ideas, you know, because. Oh, wow. If you Spoken just like a true writer. writer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I started as a newspaper reporter, so I'm constantly reading newspapers uh, and clipping mm-hmm. articles and like looking at headlines and what if, you know, and so I kind of keep stuff on hand, like in a file or on my computer, and I'm just. You know, kind of always searching for the next story, you know. Is there ever, have so. you ever seen one or is there one that you're like, God, the story is amazing, but like no one would, it's too strange for fiction? Oh, well, yeah, actually. Um, the, <laughs> I had one recently where um, it was a, well, it was Beyond Limits. There was the terrorist uh, plot. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't want to tell the, I don't want to give away the spoilers. Oh. You know, I, don't I was just going to say, don't the, do it because... Like climax scene, but mm. um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll write something that it feels like it's so out of the realm of possibilities, and um, and then you hear of it happening, and so it's just, you know, you just don't know what can happen. Almost, I'm like, Abby, bad question, bad question, because oh. I know she's going to tell a great story, and I'm going to be like, we need dude, over- that's the next next year it's the next trade original what are you doing laura so no crime is too weird to get to wind up in a book with the right person the weirder the better you know but that's me (laughs) well i think it's time for our quick and dirty bernard pivot right our true confessions questions um diana Um, could i kick it over to you for un momento She's like, not really. Diana's um, been <laughs> slaving away on our metadata on her laptop, and then we're like, all right, I didn't bring it with me. Oh, she's got it. I was like, because I'm like, okay, well, Abby, well, let's just tell uh, the listeners what our favorite things about Laura Griffin is. And I'm like, <laughs> I know what one of my favorite things is. When I first started working with Laura, first mm-hmm. off, I've known her for years, because Abby and I have had the, the, the luck and the 
good times of going to many a conference with Laura, but um, and she and I have shared a cocktail, but uh, many I, late evening, many uh, late yes. evening, and I think I called you to have an early editorial discussion, or at least just to make my apologies on not getting you my notes when I was supposed to get them. And I didn't get Laura. Oh, no. She's used to that for me. So. Exactly. <laughs> I did get Laura and she was like, Lauren, I'm literally on the way to see you two uh, in concert right now. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was because of you, Laura, that I made my husband. Because your enthusiasm and love for them, which by the way, I have a large amount of that love Yay. for them as well. I made my husband buy them tickets for me, for you two to go see in New Jersey. Because I was on the fence about it. And I'm like, yes. how can I not? This it is was so the crazy. Joshua Tree tour. How can you miss that? It was epic. You can't miss it. No, epic. you can't miss it. It was it epic. Was. It was amazing. It was amazing. All right. The fact that she even answered the phone made me love her more. Oh, I, I was like, I was in the car. I was, I was just on the outskirts of Dallas. We were almost there. And I'm like, I'm so excited. Yes. One and, more reason Laura Griffin is so cool. Well, my, my, I don't have a cool uh, celebrity in my... I love Laura's story, but um, our last, uh, um, now I've forgotten if it was, it get RT, I guess, uh, in Vegas, you know, if we go out and we meet our authors and it's great, and <gasps> a lot of times we like to go to the fancy lady lunch and, you know, spoil them, and Laura, I, Laura and I have done many of those, and it's always great, but when we were out in Vegas, I was like, hmm... Maybe something different, and something I besides Caesar salad. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I was like, "How about instead of lunch, do you want to go shoot some guns?" Because I found this place, and Laura, <laughs> of course, was game, and we had a great time. And we went to Battlefield Vegas and climbed in and out of tanks, and then we oh shot like three different kinds of like guns. And I'd never like held one before, and it was very. Uh, it was an exciting and interesting day and way better than a fancy Caesar salad. It oh was. my God. And it just makes the me... best part, Lauren. I don't know if you heard this part. Oh. We got, we, we were picked up oh. for this field trip in this giant, um, Hummer. Mm-hmm. No. Um, being, um, driven by this very cute man. As who, like attractive um, man. Yes. yes. A military guy, um, or former military guy who's now driving around the Hummer. <laughs> Taking but, lovely um, ladies to go shoot yeah. guns in the desert. And we had so much fun. Oh, yeah. no, I heard about the story. Abby told me the next day, she was like, dude, Laura and I went and shot guns. I'm like, dude, why didn't you invite me? <laughs> I know. Like, Abby, did I tell you? I don't know if I mm-hmm. even told you this, but um, on my way back home, I was wearing the same pants that I had on that day that oh, we no. were out there. And I got... P- pulled aside out of the airport line oh, oh my God. Did, you, did you get busted they were like, for the gunpowder? They had all their like, gloves the dog and sniffer. they were patting me oh, down. No. I, think, I think I set off one of their alarms with my gunpowder residue yes. because they were just like patting me down. And, uh-huh. How'd you get out of it? Well, I she mean, wasn't I, I wasn't armed. <laughs> oh, no, I would be like, here's the receipt from no, the I desert. went through all my bags. Yeah. And, right. You know, they they totally checked me out, but... I know, bet that's I exactly it. I'm not a terrorist, because, so they didn't... Yep. <laughs> somebody else... At one of our other authors, I can't remember, but who was familiar, said, oh, someone told me, you not know, it's to. probably on your clothes. You mm-hmm. should remember not to wear that in the airport. Oh, and I was well, like, I didn't know that. I know. No, I didn't. I don't think I knew I in time think to. about it. Or now I was setting you, know. you up. Now you know. <laughs> but so Laura's not only a brilliant writer, but heaps of fun. Okay. We have our questions all ready to go. Um, you go, Ab. Okay. So... Laura, um, how do you prepare yourself to be creative? What's your ritual, if you have one? Um, I love to get outside, jogging, walking, taking my dog, you know, just kind of getting outdoors, getting the fresh air, getting my blood going, Mm -hmm. then I'm ready to work. And what time of day do you prefer to work? Uh, I'm a morning person. Sometimes I just wake up and just plunge right in. Yeah, that, I don't understand yeah. that, but I understand I, that many people do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that either. <laughs> we get along anyway somehow. Yeah, as long as I've got coffee, I can get going early. Oh, that's our next question. How do you take oh. your coffee? Um, strong. No, that's <laughs> Strong not... and frequent. Black? <laughs> uh, I, I like cream in it, but strong and frequent is how I take it. Does Austin have like a beloved coffee purveyor? like uh, Austin Java, as a matter of fact. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it. In fact, um, it's in the airport. We, don't, we have all local... Uh, vendors in our airport so if you're oh. ever flying through town check all the local vendors out but Austin Java is there Excellent. is it really good it's really good yeah in lieu of Starbucks they won't they don't have a Starbucks they I don't like Austin Starbucks Java. they're so wank yeah. <laughs> I hate Starbucks sorry all right well this podcast uh, unofficially brought to you by Austin Java definitely not brought to you by Starbucks <laughs> exactly um and do you have a go-to snack that helps power you through a long writing day 
I do. I have a file in my desk. Um, it's not labeled, but it's filled with little bite-sized chocolate, <laughs> like little snack size, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes I just have to go grab a little handful of M&Ms or something. That's so funny. Uh, what do you do most often to procrastinate? <sighs> Read, I guess. Sometimes really? I'll just get carried away reading and I just, oh, one more chapter, you know, or TV. Yeah. One more chapter. Over those. Yeah. If you're reading, do you have to stay away from your own genre and read something totally different or do you um, read? While I'm writing a new book, I like to read nonfiction. Mm. You know, I'll read something in the area I'm kind of writing about, something nonfiction. Um, yeah. And then I love, I love reading lighter things too, like, you know, comedy or mm-hmm. just something that's kind of lighter. That's, have yeah. you, by chance, are you interested in reading the new Grant, the new nonfiction about Grant? Sorry. I haven't. No, I haven't read it. Yeah, I, sorry. I would love to I read it. I was like, I started it. It was so good. And I have no one to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it. No, I have not read it. <laughs> All right. We'll get, we'll get one in the mail to you. Exactly. <laughs> well, we you. can. It's Penguin Press. Oh. Uh, we... <laughs> the evil empire. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, what's your dream project? Mm. I, you know... I think I'm working on it right now. Actually, I'm really loving the book oh. that I'm working on. Um, the revisions I'm doing right now for um, Desperate Girls, which we were talking about. Um, I, I'm loving that story. I'm loving this new kind of story world, and I'm kind of into it right now. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. That's great. What could be better? Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up then with the last, uh, maybe hardest, maybe easiest question. What's your favorite romantic book? <gasps> favorite romantic book? Oh. Uh, I think I might say Wuthering Heights. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. a classic, you know. I love some of the classics. It's a classic Kate, for a Kate reason. always goes classic, It's been too. a long time since yeah. I've Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we have some weekend reading. Maybe. Anyway, it is great to talk to you as always, Laura. Thank you so much for making the time to share about your books. Touch of Red is on sale right now. People can get that wherever books are sold, online or in print, uh, or in audio. And... Uh, You'll just have to wait on tenterhooks until next summer for Desperate Girls. But don't worry, there are plenty of Laura Griffin backlist for you to catch up on if you haven't read every single one yet. And don't forget the Alpha Crew. Yes, and the <laughs> Alpha, Alpha Crew. Crew. Alpha, Crew. <laughs> Alpha Crew is awesome. That is E-Original. So look for those online and uh, look for the tracers in print and online. And uh, just look for Laura Griffin wherever you can because she is an awesome read. Laura, thank you for being with us. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye, Bye lady. Bye. You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. Wait, who? who okay. So, Diana, you're leading in the game. Are I'm you going to sneeze? Gonna I'm going to bring us back. Can this. you show me how to forward? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this guy. Seriously, just leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, okay. This is, you are seeing how the magic happens at XOXO. I'm sending this to all um, of you. This, okay, is what, this is what happens at the break. <laughs> is we lose utter control and Pat just weeps quietly at his soundboard. Uh, We are back. Laura Griffin is amazing. Uh, I urge you all to go and get her book. And now it is game time. So I'm going to pass the mic to Diana, who is going to run the game today and explain it to us. So go for it, my friend. Okay. This is, um, we're going to play Would You Rather, uh, except with men. (laughs) And uh, basically, we're going to try and get you to your ultimate guy. So I'll give you two options. like um, It's like an eye test. George Clooney and... A or B, B or C, C or A. Yep, and then you get to your final. So there'll be five. So I tried to do them um, (laughs) off of the show CSI. Oh, okay. Um, However, I don't know any of these people, and I never watched it. So then the other two I did were um, cops, uh, you know, actors who play cops. Actors who play cops. So we'll start with... um, We'll start with uh, Lauren. Okay. Okay. CSI, uh, George Eads. He see. I don't think anyone knows these guys. He pl- he's um, he played Nick Stokes. He's, the, he's very handsome. You're gonna yeah. like. First off, he has a very strong jawline. I think I've seen one CSI, <clears throat> kind of, sort of one. I watched I hated it obsessively it. in high school. Hated it when it first came out. I was in high school. Okay, well, we're talking about the men, not the show. Uh, can we talk about the ginger who is out of Miami? We're objectifying. All right, fine. Forget it. What about the ginger out of Miami? All right, here we go. Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis? Oh, to to what? Which do you to prefer? Bat. Oh, Bruce. Okay, Bruce Willis or Gary Oldman? Bruce what? Willis. I love Gary Oldman. All right. I do too, but Bruce Willis. Willis. Bruce Willis or Chris Rock? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis or Will Smith? Bruce Willis. Still? Wow. That's it? Uh, okay. I have the season box set of Moonlighting in my home. Okay, uh, fair whatever. enough. 
wrap it up. All right, Abby. Uh, I love him so much in Moonlighting. I would kill Brad Pitt or Robert Downey Jr. Um, now I need a microphone. Oh, Why yeah. can't I have that one? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Robert, Robert I would Downey go there Jr. too. Um, Robert Downey Jr. or Mark Ruffalo. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. or Sean Penn. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. or the guy who plays Dexter, Michael C. Hall. No, Mike, not Michael C. Hall. He's lovely, but also oh, yuck. Straight. I don't think. Uh, I think yeah, he's yeah, Robert yeah, Downey yeah, Jr. Yeah, yuck. I didn't think I was gonna go that straight. That was hundred percent with you too. Yeah. I guess you could all play. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do the new one for Kate, though. All right. This is the Departed version. Okay. Departed. I love that movie. We already we already picked someone. I think. I Alec Jack Baldwin or uh, is it Michael? Sh- no, Sheenan, Sheenan, the dad, Dad Sheenan. Da- oh, Mark, no, Martin, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Sheen. Oh um, no, Martin Sheen. No, ruined, <laughs> ruined, <laughs> ruined. <laughs> Martin Sheen or uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg or Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Ooh, this is toughy for Kate. <laughs> what at what ages are these people? Uh, in the movie. In the movie. In the movie. Uh, Not their body. Then, um, then. Um, yeah, Damon did the rugby South African movie. Right no, after I know that. I know that. The this one is, she has to pick I'm her truth. To show how hot he um, is. Wait, now I forgot his name. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Okay, Ooh. Mark Wahlberg or Leo. Mark Wahlberg. Wow, interesting. That's it. Sorry, Leo. Oh, I go there too. I hate Leo. Also, runners up were Gary Sinise, Ted Danson. <laughs> oh, sad. Uh, Adam Rodriguez. Who's that? And David Harbour from Stranger Things. David Harbour is having a resurgence right now. Who's David Harbour? He he's from Stranger he's Things. He's the dad on Stranger Things. He's having like a dad bod moment. That's Everybody's the thing on Netflix like, that you haven't seen. Him. It's it's okay. It's near the top of the Netflix. <laughs> anyway, uh, shall we wrap it up for the day? <laughs> Let's do, because i got to go ask out Robert Downey Jr. I, I know, know right? <laughs> I've got a flake hate for not going staying with Alec Baldwin. Oh no! I, I don't just, know. Prelude to a kiss an anger is management hands problem. down the best, best, best romantic. I don't comedy. like that one. No, and he's and and he frankly, an anger oh management problem. even even though I appreciate him, you and know, ragging tubby. on Trump, I think he's 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 crazy, but he's, he's so beautiful. He in that looks movie. like a sociopath. Yeah. Look at him in Prelude to a Kiss. Yeah, he looks like a sociopath. Oh my god, I love right, him. When well, I see people, men who look like that on Tinder, I swipe left because they are clearly his sociopaths. His hair was so good. <laughs> his hair was good, I'll give him that. Yeah. As you can hear, folks, we have much more to discuss, so we're going to adjourn to the bar. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Please uh, rate us, like us, give us comments. We want to hear from you. If you're a writer, join our uh, Hot Books Cold Nights contest. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whichever guy you choose, always remember that the best conversation Conversations happen after dark. dark.